Hello, sports world, and welcome to another edition of Just for Sport here on the Props Network. Thank you very much if you're watching live on Twitch, YouTube, or Facebook. We have quite uh, a show for you today. Um, I'm going to go back to what was the greatest game of the World Series I have ever seen from first pitch to last out in game four between the Dodgers and Rays. We're gonna, of course, we're going to talk about uh, the week that was in the NFL and the Steelers at the end of it are the only undefeated team left in the National Football League. We'll talk about that. Ben Bobak is coming back on to talk some college football. Of course, I have him on because I want to talk Pitt. Got to talk Pitt football. And uh, I decided, yeah, let's bring on someone that uh, has a personal connection to me. He's a sports director at WPTS. And that's where I got my uh, first radio show uh, at the University of Pittsburgh. So I figured, why not? Let's talk to him. So Ben Bobeck is going to come on. We're also going to talk about some of the other things that happened in college football over the weekend. Pitt State sucks. Pitt State sucks, huh? They lost. I'm sorry. How could you know? You go to Pitt, you have to say that, right? I'm going to play devil's advocate and talk about why I have no problem with teams tanking for Trevor Lawrence. Maybe even talk to Ben Bobek about that, but I have my own take on that. And uh, sports you may not know about, you may not know about Lewis Hamilton, but you should. Talked about him before. I'm going to talk about him later in the show. And at the end of it, I'm going to give my pick. My pick for Monday Night Football. Yep, big game, Bears, Rams. Rams, I expected to be there. Bears are a bit of a surprise this season, but they're there. The the Bears are there, and they're one of the better teams. But first, let's start. As we begin the show, for anyone watching, please feel free. You can join the chat. I'd be happy to answer any questions you may have. Uh, We can talk about some different topics. Maybe you hate my topics. Or, or my take, whatever the case may be. Just join the fun. Just join the fun here on the Props Network. Uh, uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. What's been great so far is the World Series. I have enjoyed every pitch, every at-bat between these two teams. They have been truly making this a World Series to remember. And just thinking about what has happened over uh, since our last show on Thursday, game four was epic. You know, game three was cool. Uh, you know, I talked about um, what made game four uh, pivotal in the series. Um, and it lived up to all of the expectations that I had. And, and, and game five was good last night, but, you know, it's hard to live up to game four. So we'll talk a little bit about game five, but really I want to talk about game four and just how amazing it was. And the thing that I think I enjoyed the most about it is that, you know, it came down to one play and one player And not only one player in Brett Phillips, but he was coming into an at-bat after the greatness that is Randy Orozarena took a walk. 
And it was just like Jansen on the mound. Kenley Jansen on the mound is what I would like to say one of the better closers, but he's not, especially when you hear John Smoltz, who is one, in my mind, one of the best starters and closers. If you don't know who John Smoltz is, as uh, he's calling the game with Joe Buck. You know, I just, wow, I just, Brett Phillips comes up in a, in his only at bat. When he came in for Choi as a base runner, I said in my mind, he's going to come into play in this game. And I'm not going to act like, like I'm like a Nostradamus or anything like that. I don't know. I just said, wow, Choi coming out. Let's see what happens when Brett Phillips, if he, you know, when, when he's up to bat, assuming he's going to end up in that situation, right? And sure enough, the former Astros top prospect, who, by the way, was traded away from the Astros for who? Here's a nugget for you, Mike Fires. He was traded in 2015 to the Brewers for Mike Fires. So there you have it. Brett Phillips goes to the Brewers. Mike Fires goes to the Astros. Mike Fires sets the Astros on fire. When he leaves and goes to the athletics and tell everybody about what they're doing over there, it's just Brett Phillips hadn't had an RBI since July 27th, people. July 27th. It was his first hit since September 25th. September 25th. I just can't believe it. I was just sitting there. Actually, you know, here's the thing, right? Take you into my world. I was at that point, it was so late. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go upstairs. I'm just going to, you know, lay down in the bed and watch the rest of the game. Um, And I'm sitting there with my mouth agape, with my covers over my mouth. My wife's asleep. And I'm like... <sighs> I just couldn't believe it. And I was like, why didn't I stay downstairs? Because I was trying to be quiet. If I would have stayed downstairs, I would have been just screaming and I probably would have woke up the whole house. So I said, let me go upstairs and I'll be sure to be quiet no matter what happened. It was crazy. It was simply insane. And I hope you enjoyed it too. Um, I watched all of the post game hearing, you know, Brett Phillips, he was so down to earth. He's talking about how he's winded. He's about to pass out from all the excitement and doing the, the airplane flying in the outfield. He didn't even see a Rosarena fall down and get back up and then score off of the air by Will Smith, who was not the Fresh Prince that night, not the Fresh Prince. One of the funniest videos I saw, because now all of a sudden you see all of these social media posts about Brett Phillips. Uh, you gotta Google. Um, actually, I don't think I, I think I retweeted it from the greatness as it that is Jeff Passan from ESPN. He's one of the best. And he showed a video of another Will Smith, which I didn't even I didn't even pay attention. Was that Will Smith like someone who did my job for the Wizards when I was digital reporter and his name just happens to be Will Smith. And this will be the fourth Will Smith we've been talking about uh, since the NLCS. Because if you remember how funny it was when Will Smith, the catcher, got a, I believe actually was a home run off of Will Smith, the pitcher, if it wasn't just a hit. Then we're seeing Will Smith interview Brett Phillips when they were both with the Brewers and he was telling mom jokes. And I can tell the most awful, but sometimes funny dad jokes. So I had a, a kick watching. Brett Phillips has the best laugh. 
So go look at Jeff Passan. You'll see the the video of um, Brett Phillips laughing. But how could you follow up game four like that with a game five? And the best thing about game four, I mean, excuse me, game five, not that in game four Clayton Kershaw was going to pitch, but you had Clayton Kershaw on the mound. This is the player that I root for the most. I root for the most in this World Series. My heart, my heart. Oh, man, it goes out to anyone who's come so close and loses. And and I, I don't know him personally, but what I've heard is that he's just a really good guy. He's just a really good guy, just really cool and down to earth. And hearing all the stories during the broadcast, Joe Buck bringing up the Astros again and how that must have hurt to lose to them. But, of course, Joe Buck, you know, didn't say, you know, Whatever was happening with the Astros, you know, didn't quite go all the way that I thought he could have because Major League Baseball did say what they did. But, you know, he didn't want to go that far and go into it. But Clayton Kershaw lost to the Red Sox and the Astros. And, you know, that's got to be tough. So I'm watching game five, and we're all expecting to have this great game. And by the way, game four, they won eight to seven. They won led the Dodgers beat Tampa Bay four to two last night in game five. They're one win away from being World Series champions. We'll see if it happens. But as you saw in game four, it's not over till it's over. It's not over until it's over. And that's what I want to say for any Dodgers fan out there. Dodger blue that are saying, yeah, we got this. I don't know. You never know. You never, ever, ever know. But Clayton Kershaw made history last night. He's Major League Baseball's all-time postseason strikeout king. How about that? He caught Joey Wendell looking in the second inning. Never like a batter looking. When you freeze him like that, that's probably the best feeling for a pitcher. May, to me, maybe even more than a strikeout, which I know we count Ks. But like when you're looking, it's just like you befuddled that batter so much that he didn't know what to do. He had no idea. No idea. No idea. And so it was fun to see him make history. and. In this postseason, he's had 37 appearances, 30 starts, 109 innings, 20 series, 13 strikeouts in a victory over the Brewers in the wild card series. 13 strikeouts. He was just amazing. Now, the funny thing is, John Smoltz was a record holder prior to Verlander and now Kershaw. Verlander with those Houston Astros, of course. But some of that time was with Detroit. But he has 207 strikeouts, breaking the record of 205 by Justin Verlander. And that was just great to see. He was dealing last night, which was not easy for him to do, but the Dodgers jumping out to a 3-0 lead you know, it kind of makes you relax a little bit, I imagine. I imagine that's what happens. 
But Clayton Kershaw, I just root for the guy. I just root for a guy. And that was really exciting to see. Um, and now the Dodgers are one win away. And playing against the best rookie, maybe ever, in uh, Randy Arozarena, as I said after game four, I thought it was a good tweet. The Tampa Bay Rays rose to the occasion, beating the Dodgers in game four. You get it? Arozarena. He scored the winning run. Come on. How could, I don't know. How could you not? Nobody liked my tweet. Nobody like, I don't even know what I'm doing on social media half the time. But when I look at a tweet, it's like no likes, no retweets. It's all good. I just put it out there just because I thought it was neat. You never know. You never know, right? You watch a tweet, you never know when it goes viral. But anyway, Arosa Rain has been amazing. He's written the record books, home runs, hits. First raised rookie uh, past. Derek Jeter to set the postseason records record for most hits by a rookie. That was Randy Arozarena last night. But the play I thought that was that, you know, again, until it lasts out, you never know. But when the Rays tried to steal home on Clayton Kershaw. Margot tried to steal home, and, and he was called out. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's not going to happen for the Rays. It just wasn't their night. If he had scored and the, and the game was tied, 3-3, three, three, they'd be like, ooh, Rays, Rays, you know, Rays are rolling. That's not going to happen. But a Rosarena has 52 total bases, so that's another record he has. I mean, how many records does this guy have? It's out of control. But he's a great rookie, and I can't wait to hopefully be able to draft him next year in my fantasy baseball draft. Hopefully. You never know. But it was exciting. It was exciting to see, and I'm sure that uh, for most of the baseball fans, which I'd be curious how many, you know, are baseball fans that you're watching the games all the time. You never know. Now, what I do know is when we look at game six tomorrow night, when we look at game six tomorrow night, and please feel free, you can uh, join the chat if you want to. The Dodgers are favored at minus, well, I guess not favored, but the run line is minus one and a half at plus 138. Over under at eight runs. Money line is plus 130. For the Rays, minus 155 for the Dodgers. And it's Blake Snell, a quality pitcher, versus here we go again with the Dodgers having to do the the patchwork lineup. So they're going to start with Tony Gonsolin, Gonsolin. And then they're probably going to go to Dustin May, who did pitch last night. So I'd be curious to see if that's actually going to follow, if they're going to follow that pattern or not. That will be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, there you have it. Now, I think this game is, I would take the run line at, I'm going to take it at plus one and a half. 
I'm going to say in my reading the way the game went, the, the, the Tampa Bay's had an amazing win in game four. And part of that was luck. I didn't even talk about the two errors in the one play, but there were two errors that allowed Tampa Bay to win or it would be the Dodgers already a celebrated, already champions. Of course, I'm assuming that they're saying that they would have won game five. But now the Dodgers maybe are feeling it. They're that one game closer to winning it all. And so I think if they do come out, they'll come out blazing. Mookie Betts, uh, Jock Peterson, Cody Bellage. I mean, their entire lineup is just amazing. Corey Seager, come on. They're just really, really good. And you can get the World Series, uh, the Dodgers at minus 625 and the Rays at plus 450. At this point, it's, I, think, I think it's the Dodgers. Although the funny thing is, when I talked about that game four, then whoever wins game four um, has the the uh, 70% chance of winning the series, um, you never know. You never actually, excuse me, that was game three. And the Dodgers won game three. So, um, yeah, I think the Dodgers are on the path. And I'm going to take uh, the game line for tomorrow night. I think the Dodgers will win and hoist the World Series trophy. I'll take that run line at plus one and a, five, one, one and a half. I was mixing things. I'll take the over under at eight. Yeah. And I guess you're taking the money line. Minus 155 for the for the Dodgers to win it all. So there you go. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk NFL. I got a lot to talk about. I don't know if I'm going to get through it all because after that, we're going to have Ben Bobek on to talk college football. But here we go. Brief break. Theprofsnetwork.com is the place where bets begin. No, the Props Network is not a sports book. It's where smart bettors and new players, whichever one you are, a smart better or a new player. I'm more of a new player. This is where they go before the sports book. Before the sports book, go to thepropsnetwork.com. Why? Because the Props Network has a few things that all bettors need, whether you're beginning or seasoned. Exclusive sign-up bonuses, reporting on weekly promos, free betting picks, like what I'm giving you, whether you like them or not. Even the best bettors, they lose. Come on. Just take a flyer. You never know. A flyer on me, I mean. Hey, just for sport. That's why we're doing it, right? That's why I'm doing it. And live odds comparisons for every game. Right on the Props Network. A visit to thepropsnetwork.com before placing a bet guarantees that you'll be wagering with, with the best available bonus and getting the biggest possible payout if your bets hit. I got some long shots that I'm hoping will hit in the World Series. We'll see. But the Props Network isn't just another bonus site. We've also got great content, right? You got the walk on. You got Just for Sport. Follow the Props Network on social media, YouTube, and Twitch for updates all week from me on Just for Sport and the rest of the Pops, Props Network team, which, of course, begins with my guy, Joel Walkowski, on the walk on. Great show. You can watch that. feel like you watch, you watch me in the mornings. Then the pod comes out. You watch the walk on in the evening. We got you covered all throughout the day. Get ready to bet the Props Network today. But remember, you must be 21 and over the bet. Do you or someone you know have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER today. 
So now we're going to get to football. And I don't know if I can speed through football. I talk too much. That's my problem. I got so many things I want to talk about. So many things. So yesterday, the big game, of course, the big game that we're going to talk about first, how can we not start with the history that was made between the Steelers and Titans? Right? You had two undefeated teams, 5-0. and oh, They should have been playing in week four, but the game was pushed to week seven because of the coronavirus. So here you have it. Here you have it. This game, all right, here's the thing. These two teams are both 5-0. and oh. It is the only the sixth time in, since the AFL-NFL merger that two undefeated teams with at least five teams played each other. Now, the winner of those five games and now the sixth game all went to the Super Bowl. They all went to Super Bowl. So now you say, okay, does that mean that the Steelers are going to the Super Bowl? I don't know. I don't know if it, and I'll tell you the one reason why. The, I, don't, I just feel like how can you discount the greatness that is Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. They're the defending champs. And until the Steelers are in the Super Bowl, even with the Steelers being undefeated, you might have to say that it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs are the best team. But right now, the NFL rankings say it's the Steelers. So I'm going to go with the Steelers too. But the funny thing is I was looking at the history of these five and oh records and i was digging and digging and trying to find the records and found on cbssports.com 1973 the vikings and rams for the were the first two teams that were both five and oh and then you fast forward all the way to 2004 so between 2004 and yesterday were the five times that two teams that were undefeated at five and oh played each other before that was 1973. So, yeah, it's been a long time. It had been a long time, but it was a good game. Now, another tweet that I put out that didn't go over well, or maybe it was too early, but the Steelers came out hitting. They go up 14 to nothing. So I put up, oh, so they're they're beating the Titans like Travis Henry did the uh, – the block on Josh Norman for the bill just knocked him down early. Boom. Forearm shiver. Boom. And that's what the Steelers did. Some fortuitous bounces helped the Titans stay in the game, but realistically, at one point, the game was 27 to 7. Pittsburgh scored on their first four possessions, including three touchdowns. But then I fell asleep. I fell asleep with the little the little toddler on me. So I woke up and I'm like, wait, what? It was still 27 to 27. Here's a funny stat. The Pittsburgh Steelers are perfect. They are undefeated when generating a 20-point lead. Do you know what kind of record that is? As I'm sitting here and I got all my captions here and I'm not even using them. Thank you. Sorry, I'm screwing up my own show here. 
The Pittsburgh Steelers are 213 and 0 with one tie. 213 and 0 when they have a 20 point lead. How about that? That's one of those records that I'm like, I don't know if, if they, you know, this is this goes in the you can go uh uh Rafa Nadal. Who knows when anyone's gonna have 13 French Opens or Cal Ripken, the Iron Man. But records are made to be broken, right? So I guess you could say you never know as I get to later in the show about records that you never thought would be broken. But there were some fortuitous bounces, deflections, if you want to call them, that kept the Tennessee Titans not just in the game, but it wasn't, you know, in my mind, it wasn't like Ben Roethlisberger was throwing interceptions. The last interception was in the end zone, which could have been a touchdown and would have sealed the game. But it was an interception, gave Tennessee the chance to win it. And then Steven Goskowski missed a 45-yard field goal. Wide right. Wide right. Now, I don't understand with 33 seconds to go why the Tennessee Titans went for the touchdown. I feel like it was, what, third and 14. They should have just went for the first down and kept the drive alive but and, and got, maybe gotten closer, right? But, you know, they went for and, – and obviously it was fourth down no matter what. But I'm saying on that third down, I don't know why they went for the touchdown. I think they should have just went for the first down, but at least, you know, for, my, for the Steelers fans, including my wife out there, they're happy. Steelers won. They're still undefeated. And now the only undefeated team, the only undefeated team in the National Football League. But, but they have the hardest game coming up this weekend in week eight against the Baltimore Ravens in M&T Stadium. Now, right now, the Ravens are fa- favored at minus five, over under at 49. Uh, you can get the Steelers at plus 190, uh, Baltimore at minus 240. And is that more hype? Is that more hype than reality that you have the Baltimore Ravens favored? I just don't think the Ravens are that good right now. I feel like they're, they're, there's, a, there's a little bit of a struggle there for the Ravens. But it should be, no doubt it's going to be a good game. There's no doubt about that. But right now, I'm putting my money on the, I'm putting my money on on the Steelers. And then the other thing you got to think about is, for the Ravens, maybe, maybe having a bye week helps. Maybe it hurts them. That's the other thing with the Steelers is I'm not uh, quite sure um, if the Ravens are ready for them because I think the Steelers, the only caveat that I see as an issue for them is on defense. You know, you look at the Steelers, they go up 27 to 7, and that's when the defense should lock them down. Now, as I mentioned, yes, it was some, you know, deflections that, 
you know, Tennessee was was able to capitalize on, but they also, you got to give them credit as a team. They fought back. They didn't give up when they were down early. And you take you take what's given to you. Deflections, interceptions, fumbles, three and outs, you know, punts, whatever the case may be, you take what's given to you. And the Tennessee Titans at the last play of the game had a chance to tie it up and send the game to overtime, and they couldn't do it. And when you play this Ravens team, to me, because of the rivalry, I respect that the Tennessee Titans were undefeated, so I feel like there's a part of you that has to say, okay, well, they they are the better team than the Ravens in some aspects. But most people would disagree. They're five and one. Only one loss. So I could see not only you saying the Ravens are the better team with the better quarterback and the better defense, but then you also think about the fact that this rivalry is, in my mind, well, maybe because they're both winning, but the second, one of the, the, the better rivalries after my Steelers, excuse me, after my Washington football team, the next rivalry is Steelers-Ravens. Man, what, what's happened to me? My brothers would be mad. They'd be really mad that I said that. Oh, my. Okay, coming up, we've got Ben Bobeck. We're going to talk some college football. But first, let's talk about BetMGM. BetMGM is a new online sportsbook that has taken over the online betting nation. Not only does BetMGM have some of the best odds on all the major sports, but they also offer some of the injury's strongest weekly promos. This week at BetMGM, you can get a free $20 in-play wager when you bet $50 or more on any live NFL game. Still got Monday Night Football coming up tonight. Or you can get up to $100 in free bets in the free-to-play pick three first touchdown NFL challenge. That's a lot to say, but I did it. And as always, you'll get a $10 free bet in the Money Monday Club. This is Monday. Get in there. But that's not all. Right now, BetMGM has a special signing bonus for the Props Network listeners. All you have to do is create a new account at BetMGM and use the code just for 20 Use that code to get a 100% match on your first deposit up to $500. Just enter the code just for 20 $500 bonus bankroll is yours. Just take it. You must be 21 and over to bet. Do you or someone you know have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER today. So I ended up talking about one football team that I am very close to. And now joining me is Ben Bobek. Hi, Ben, as we get set to talk about another football team that's so close to my heart in the Pittsburgh Panthers. And yeah, Ben, where should we start? Huh? We said at the same time, knock on wood. Where do we start, Ben? I don't know. Let's just start with the score. Welcome. Thank you for joining me on the show. How are you doing? How was your weekend? It was all right. It was all right. I will say I did end up uh, getting into Heinz Field and going to that game in person, which depending on how you look at it, made it either a little bit better or just that much worse. <laughs> I'd say that much worse because when this, when when Notre Dame scored first and then Pittsburgh went down and scored a field goal, I was like, okay, okay, Here we're we hanging. And that was it. That was it. Okay. So let's see. They lost the game 45-3. to three. 
Total yards, 434 yards, 162 for Pitt. Three turnovers didn't help. Where do you want to start in talking about that game yesterday? Well, I'll start here. First of all, I will say last week when you had me on, uh, the over the over under was still at 50 on Monday. So I'm going to take credit for that little check mark there. <laughs> As for the pit spread, you know, not close at all. Um, I'll take I'll take the blame for that. You have to start with, I think, with the coaching staff. I mean, like we talked about last week, it's this is the fourth straight game for this Pittsburgh defense, allowing 30 or more points. They allow 45 this week to Notre Dame, who despite coming in, at as the third ranked team in the country i i don't know how to put this without sounding like a bitter fan but they really didn't do anything to impress me i'm still not sold on the <laughs> book is the dynamic playmaker that's going to carry the irish to the playoffs i'm still not sold on this notre dame team as being the one to be up there with the clemsons and the alabamas i know you want to get into that a little more in depth later but i i look at that game and I really see it as a pit loss. You know, Notre Dame did their job. They came out, they executed, they put up 45 points on the board. But when I look at it, I put this loss squarely on the shoulders of the coaching staff. Pitt did not look prepared. Pitt did not look ready to play. And it really showed on the field. And I think probably the most telling is with just under a minute and a half left in the second quarter, Pitt has a, I want to say a fourth and about four. Maybe it was closer to two. I don't remember off the top of my head. I was already beyond angry by then. But <laughs> you're inside Notre Dame territory at around the 40. And Pat Narduzzi, offensive coordinator Mark Whipple, decides to punt. And mm-hmm. the punt gets blocked and returned for a touchdown. And when you talk about instant karma, it doesn't get more instant than that. It was a surrender move. It was a cop-out move. And it perfectly illuminated everything wrong with this football team in 2020. Pat Narduzzi, the head coach, has talked about how this team, how the senior leadership feels different this season. It looked it after that 55 nothing blowout in week one off over Austin P. It hasn't looked like it since. There's something wrong with the rudder on this football team. So if there's something wrong with the rudder on this football team, how many more games or rather seasons and i don't like to bring this up do you give no. pat narduzzi yeah i mean that's and that's the you know multi-million dollar question at that point you know you gave him a seven-year extension to be your head coach for the significant you know period moving forward a couple of years back i think he still has i want to say five or six years left on that extension but that's the question that starts to be asked. You know, he had two eight win seasons. Beyond that, his best win was seven and seven and a blowout in the ACC title game. You have to look at the the scheme he's brought in, the culture he's developed where it's so reliant on defensive performances. And yet in a season where on paper, it looked to be his best team yet, especially defensively, when you return so many seniors on that side of the football, and the performance has regressed to just an absolutely abysmal state. When you look at what that unit was able to accomplish last year, being top in the nation in sacks, being top 10 in yards and points allowed per game. And here they are this year allowing, you know, nearly 400 yards and 30 points per game in the ACC conference. It's simply unacceptable. And so whether it's, you know, you look at the bye week this week, I thought maybe there would be some sort of coaching change announced by now. 
you know, Narduzzi and the staff trying to light a fire under his players and fix something around the around the facility. But you know, nothing so far. We'll see if anything changes by the time they kick off against Florida State next weekend. But something's got to give. You know, I don't know. I'm not going to come out and say it's time uh, to make a change at the top just because. You know, with the financial predicaments all of these universities seem to find themselves in, given the current state of our world right now, it's hard to, you know, make that move. It's hard to make that guarantee of however big the buyout is. But you have to look at, especially the offensive staff and the play caller in Mark Whipple, and just say that's not good enough for where we want to be as a football team. And there needs to be changes, you know, made at the top. And there needs to be kind of an addressing of how this situation came to be and how, you know, Pat Narduzzi's offense kind of found itself in this spot yet again. Since letting go, since letting Mark Canada, Matt Canada, excuse me, go to LSU after his mm-hmm. first year at head coach, of course, he then went on to Maryland where he was the interim head coach. Now he's the quarterback's coach uh, over at the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's done nothing to replicate that sort of offensive success that he found with James Conner and Nate Peterman in his first year at head coach that got him eight wins and to the pinstripe bowl in New York. He went with Sean Watson. That didn't work out fired after two years. He went with Mark Whipple. That's not working out. Should be fired after two years. We'll see if anything happens. Narduzzi needs to seriously address how he's building his offense from the ground up. You're going to have a new quarterback likely next year, whether it's Joey Yellen or Davis Bevel or even Nick Patting. We'll see. None of them really sold me on being the future in that game over Notre Dame, given that they all got, you know, some sort of significant playing time, except for Davis Bevel, basically. But more importantly, Mark Whipple did not sell me on being able to develop this pit offense. Going Man, and not only was that pit offense putrid, but I like seeing the little makeshift basketball court and they would dunk after a celebration. It's like, we haven't seen that in a long time. And it's been a couple days. It's been a couple of days. But the beauty of Pitt losing is Penn State also lost. Penn State sucked. I cannot believe that they lost to an Indiana Hoosier football team. And quarterback Michael Penix Jr., I didn't think he's got got it over the pile. I don't like that. I don't like that whole, if you knock over the little orange pile on, that means you scored a touchdown or two point conversion, whatever the play is, but Hey, they counted it. What'd you think of the game? Well, I mean, I was, so I was lucky enough to kind of, I was monitoring like the last minute of that game in uh, on my way back from the stadium. Right. And I get back. I think overtime was just starting as we were able to get it up on television. I mean, that was just an incredible ending to a fantastic game. You know, Indiana, the story of the Hoosiers football team has been, they're kind of in this position there, but they're never able to finish. They're never able Mm -hmm. to kind of close the game and actually pull off this upset. I forget the exact uh, day, but I think it was their first win versus you know, a top 25 team since like 1976, 1980s. I mean, this is a Hoosiers team that has been so close over the last couple of years. You have to admire the job Tom Allen has done. I mean, that's just the definition of a basketball school and what mm-hmm. he's able, been able to do in terms of, you know, in-state recruiting and building that team back up 
to a point where they're able to compete at a high level in you know one of the nation's toughest conferences, one of the nation's, nation's toughest divisions going up against the Penn States, the Ohio States, and the Michigans year in, year out. You have to give credit to him. But, you know, James Franklin, time in, time out. This is a team that wants to compete at the highest level when it comes to Penn State. So far, they haven't been able to do that. We'll see if this is a loss similar to, you know, that pit loss back in 2016. It's able to galvanize the team and get them back to where they want to be competing for uh, for a conference championship. But like we talked about a little bit last week, with only an eight-game season, it's going to be very tough for the Nittany Lions to get back to the conference championship game. Yeah. And I feel bad for Devin Ford that fourth quarter. He wasn't supposed to score the touchdown, and he scores the touchdown, and that's what opens the door for Indiana. And you see him looking at the sideline as he's just about to realize, oh, my gosh, I'm falling over, and I scored a touchdown. And we also saw that in the NFL this, yeah. to this weekend, too. So it's like even for Devin Ford, he probably was on Sunday like, okay, well, it happens to the pros, too. But this could really cost the Nittany Lions. Or does it? Because as our next topic goes, I cannot make sense of these college football rankings. How is OSU number three? They played one game. Notre Dame has played six games so far. And they moved down a spot to number four. Like, I just don't understand what we are doing here. And I've got more to, to that, that I could go into it. Um, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on where you fall with with trying to rank these teams because obviously this is going to go into the the BCS bowl game, right? Eventually they're going to do BCS rankings, and I just don't understand how they're going to do that with the uneven scheduling this season. Yeah, I mean, and that's the that's the big question for the college football playoff committee this year is how do you factor in a team like Ohio State that you know has only played one game, but they went in. You know, they went up against Nebraska, a, depending on how you look at it, a good football team. You know, Adrian Martinez and Scott Frost still very capable, you know, depending uh, on, on how you look at the Big Red in the last couple seasons. But, you know, how do you factor in the fact that this Ohio State team is only going to play eight games going up against, you know, say a Notre Dame who could possibly be coming in at 10-1 and one, after a full conference slate, which is not something we've been able to say about Notre Dame mm-hmm. in the past years. Um, and, and that's the big question is how do you compare, you know, Ohio State? Look, I, I still – I agree. First, let me say this. I agree with the rankings this week. I think Ohio State is undoubtedly, undoubtedly a better team than Notre Dame. Whether or not they deserved to be a spot higher than the Irish, of course, like you mentioned, after – basically playing half their season, finishing undefeated, and Ohio State coming in, winning one game, that's, you know, that's a little iffy. Mm -hmm. But I do think that if you want to go off pure merit alone, Ohio State is a better football team. Like I mentioned, I'm still not sold on Notre Dame. I think the big big game with Notre Dame, obviously, is going to be in two weeks. They go up against Clemson. Um, It's going to be really a better gauge of where the Irish are as a football team, where Brian Kelly has them. I think this last weekend was supposed to be a big test for them. It was supposed to be, you know, going up against your rival on their turf, you know, going up against one of the supposed better defenses in the country. But unfortunately, really, I feel bad for the Irish that Pitt just fell flat on its face because that Mm -hmm. was supposed to be a win that they can take to the committee and say, look, 
We, you wanted us to play a conference schedule. Here we are. We're playing a conference schedule. Pitt gave us a good shot, and here we are. But now it's just looking like another complete blowout because Pitt simply did not show up for that game at all. And so we're really just going to have to wait and see on, on Notre Dame whether they can compete with Clemson or not. It's just, you know, I think to look at the bigger picture, and, and you really broke it down well, there needs to be a real governing body. I feel like the NCAA is just, I know it's been tough with this pandemic, but this isn't the first time we've talked about the NCAA not having control of football and even basketball. And it's really the conferences and the presidents of the different schools that really just determine what goes on in college football. And it's just like, no, there has to be something where everyone is following the same rules the way we're going to do this or else it's just total chaos and that's what i feel like it is and it doesn't to me it's like okay fine ohio state was ranked number two in the preseason polls but they played one game and i just don't quite understand how you can do that um a player who may not be playing any more games is wisconsin quarterback graham mertz um he's awaiting uh confirmation of his positive COVID-19 test. When you're in that situation, you're a freshman, you were probably weren't even supposed to, supposed to play to play, play this for another uh, minimum 21 days. If you test positive, what does that do to a Wisconsin team when, you know, who's, who's, I guess, next man up, but that's really your season right there. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have to, first of all, give credit to Grant Mertz for an absolutely fantastic game, uh, you know, week one on Friday night against Illinois. I mean, one incompletion, you know, I think it was four or five touchdowns, somewhere around 250 yards passing. You know, Paul Christ and that Wisconsin team, they're not known for developing quarterbacks. I mean, you go way back, sure, you get Russell Wilson as a transfer from NC State. But, you know, guys like Jack Cohn uh, just simply aren't lighting it up. For the Badgers, you know, this is a team that's built off the Monty Balls and the Melvin Gordons, not necessarily their quarterback play. And finally, you know, they it seems like they got their guy. They got that explosive uh, kind of uber game manager, so to say, uh, in Graham Mertz. He's a fantastic debut as a freshman, like you said, against Illinois Friday night in that big win for the Badgers. And it comes out right afterwards. He may not be in for at least three more games. And that's a tough situation. You know, that's the reality of college football in 2020. Uh, you saw it a little bit here with Pitt. You've seen it all over the country, down in Virginia Tech, you know, out Baylor, where depending on, you know, false positives, false negatives, you know, with some teams testing daily, some teams testing twice or thrice weekly, you know, different companies doing different tests. It's just it's the wild west out there when it comes to knowing whether or not you're actually positive, knowing whether or not you're actually contagious and knowing whether or not you're going to be able to play come Saturday. And so right now it seems, you know, you look at the situation we talked a little bit about last week again, when it comes to Nick Saban, where he tests positive on a Wednesday, three negative tests later mm -hmm. on Friday or on Thursday, Friday and Saturday, he's able to coach the game. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, the simply not knowing it's there's so many different factors moving at once. Um, and, you know, when you look at the policy of, you know, 21 days on a restricted list, 21 days out of action, that's the, you know, 
penalty for starting the season so late and trying to condense so many games into this season when you have to be as stringent as possible when it comes to, you know, protecting possible positives because there's simply no room for an outbreak like we've seen at some other teams. And so Mertz is going to have to, if this positive is confirmed, is going to have to sit for three weeks. And, you know, it leaves Wisconsin in, you know, kind of a, a tough spot because you had started to build that momentum with that big win over Illinois. And now where do you go forward? Do you turn back the cone? You know, what's mm-hmm. the quarterback play going to be like? And like you mentioned, how is that going to affect their rankings? Is the committee, are the voters going to have to assess that and be like, look, this team isn't playing with their, you know, first string quarterback. If he does come back after these 21 days, how is that going to affect his play? It's another big question to add to all of the things that need to be considered come ranking time. Yeah. Uh, let's move ahead. We're going to move ahead, and, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with Wisconsin. I hope he's not positive. I mean, I don't want anybody to get COVID and uh, the coronavirus, but if he is, I wish him the best in his recovery. Um, let's let's look at next week. We got that big matchup coming up between the two teams we we're talking about, Ohio State and Penn State. Right now, Ohio State is favored at minus 12 and a half. The over-under is 62 and a half. Uh, money line minus five sixty for Ohio State plus three sixty for Penn State. Who do you got in that game? The points. The points is a big number. I'll put it like that. Okay. Um, I I think Ohio State wins. You know, I like I said, Indi- uh, Penn State. Excuse me, didn't show me much against Indiana. They're still missing Micah Parsons. Doesn't look like they'll have Journey Brown, uh, the star running back for most of the season. Uh, Sean Clifford. I've never been sold on him. He's a good running quarterback, but, you know, passing downfield, he's, you know, mistake prone. I think he had two or three interceptions against the Hoosiers. That's not going to be good enough to beat, you know, the best team in the conference in Ohio State. I think Justin Fields is on a mission this year to get his team to the national championship and prove that perhaps he is, if not the best, then the second best quarterback in this upcoming draft. I think the Ohio State University is going to be on a mission And the next stop on that train is Happy Valley. I think they're going to come out with the victory over Penn State. The 12 points makes it a little iffy. You know, I'm inclined to take Ohio State to start with. But, you know, Penn State in in Beaver Stadium as a two-touchdown underdog, that's a tough sell for me. Okay, tough sell for you. Um, Number three, Ohio State versus, I think, what, Penn State's now number 10, uh, if I – Last, I think I looked at it, but I made that number wrong. But anyway, let's see what happens there. Now, the other matchup, Notre Dame, can they match Clemson? Maybe if they can score more than 73 points against Georgia Tech, maybe they get the respect they deserve. But right now, they are favored at minus 19 and a half points, over and under at 56, minus 1250 uh, for Notre Dame, and plus 700 is the money line for Georgia Tech. What are your thoughts? Can they get over 73 points? Well, I think no matter what they do, I think they get over uh, 19 and a half or whatever the spread was. Mm-hmm. I think that's a little small when you talk about disrespect, when you talk about you know how Notre Dame looks on paper. That's a perfect example of that. I think they're easily a three-touchdown favorite over Georgia Tech. That defense uh, for Jeff Collins just hasn't been there so far, like you mentioned, giving up 70-plus to Trevor Lawrence and the Clemson Tigers. Notre Dame's offense is explosive. I'll give them that. You know, they have that big play potential when you have 
you know, so many large wide receivers going downfield. You know, they're a big team. I don't see them matching Clemson. Um, I don't see, you know, whether they can hold Georgia Tech maybe under the seven points that Clemson allowed. That's the question. Um, but I don't see uh, the Irish matching up. Um, I do think it will be, you know, their second blowout in a week. Um, I see them covering, you know, the three touchdown spread, but I don't know about, you know, putting up. Putting up seven. <laughs> so they, I mean, the thing is, it's like they may need to, but just as you said, they put up 48 against Pitt and it probably hurt them because Pitt couldn't score. Like it's, yeah. that's really tough. Thank you, Ben. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Have a good one. Me too. Thanks, Ramon. All right. Bye. All right, that was Ben Bobak. Thank you very much again for joining me on the show, talking some college football. Really enjoyed that. We're going to get back to the NFL on the other side of the break. Uh, as I get ready to close out the show, I'm going to give you my Monday night football pick as well. I've got a pick and the sport you may not know about and may not care about, but you need to know about. We'll get into all of that uh, after this quick read. Are you located in a state with legal online sports betting? Don't make a bet this season before you visit thepropsnetwork.com. Thepropsnetwork.com has you covered with free bets and a special and special bonus deals from all the top U.S. online sports books. Get $30 free bets and up to 600 risk-free bets at Unibet. Claim up to a $1,000 signing bonus bundle from DraftKings Sportsbook. Or try PointsBet Sportsbook with four risk-free bets totaling up to $1,000 using promo code bonus props. The The Props Network is also the only betting news site with live NFL odds for every game. So you can shop the comps and know you're getting the biggest payout possible before you lock in your bet. That's only on the Props Network. Do your bankroll a favor and check out thepropsnetwork.com. You must be 21 and over the bet. Do you or someone you know have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER today. So I end up spending a lot of time talking with Ben Bobek, and I love talking college football with him. It's a sport that I uh, follow, but I mostly pay attention to Pitt. I want to know how Pitt's doing and, and, and some of the bigger stories, but it's good to kind of talk to him. But back up a level to the NFL. And I tell you what, there were some pretty good games yesterday. And I'm not, I don't know which team I not really dislike more, but I know my wife dislikes them. The Bengals and Browns had a great game yesterday. You know, both teams trying to bring some respect to their name. And it was awesome. Baker Mayfield with an amazing throw to Donovan Peoples-Jones, playing for the Peoples for the game-winning score. His quarterback rating was 135.6 and that was without OBJ Odell Beckham Jr. went out of the game he may be done for the season with a knee injury but it was man it was such a great game yesterday I was really impressed with both quarterbacks not that you know you didn't think one was you know both number one picks of course you thought they were going to be great but I think what you're seeing is a maturation from the quarterback position that as I was thinking about it, well, it was like, wait, are they like the next wave of great quarterbacks? And it's like, what are you talking about? Patrick Mahomes is still young. You know, Kyler Murray for Arizona Cardinals. We're going to talk about him later. This might be the best crop of quarterbacks in the NFL right now, period. Period. It's just some great games yesterday. 
Joe Burrow became the fourth rookie passer to register five 300-plus passing yard games on Sunday. And he was the first rookie quarterback in NFL history to throw 400-plus yards, three touchdowns, and run for a score in a single game. Joe Burrow, he might be legit. And the funniest story is apparently defensive end, the Bengals defensive end, Carlos Dunlap, put it out there that his tweet is that his house is for sale. He put out there on a tweet that his house is for sale. He's done. He wants to get out of here. He says 6,000 square foot city view with a huge balcony, four bedroom, four and a half bathroom in the best school districts is for sale. Do your market analysis and make me an offer. Serious inquiries only with proof of funds. Owners willing to sell furnished or unfurnished is what the post read. I, I feel like this is the kind of topic that Haley and I may talk about with, with Haley's comments. So I'm not going to go totally into it, but I thought that was pretty funny. I'm like, dang, man, city view, 6,000 square feet. I got to figure out where that is uh, in Cleveland. I mean, excuse me, Cincinnati. But here's the other thing. The Falcons, they're cursed. They're cursed this year. They have to be. Another collapse. Another collapse for the Falcons. Their wings are clipped. Every week, it seems like their wings get clipped. And as I talked about with Penn State, yeah, this time it was Todd Gurley. He was supposed to fall down at the one, run the clock out. Then the Falcons come in, kick a field goal, game over. Instead, he goes in for the score. He knew he made a mistake. He was totally upset with himself in the postgame because he gave the Falcons, which is crazy to say, he gave his team the lead 22-16 but he left too much time on the clock. And Matthew Stafford used the remaining minute, 64 seconds if you want to be exact, to drive Detroit, the Detroit Lions down the field for the game-winning score. Falcons could very well be 4-3 and three on the season. That's the crazy thing. Even though I, when, when uh, Dan, was Dan, why am I saying Dan Quinn? Am I saying that right? Falcons head coach, when he was let go, and they weren't winning games, they're 1-6. But they could very well be four and three. It's like a play here or there. It's crazy. What else was crazy? Kyler Murray bested Russell Wilson. The Cardinals bested the Seahawks last night. Zane Gonzalez, redemption. After he misses a field goal in overtime, he kicks a 48-yarder to win the game. It was an interception. Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons only played four downs that game. Intercepts the greatness that is Russell Wilson. And that's how the Cardinals get the ball with very little time on the clock. Very little time on the clock. 52 seconds? Man, that's got to be that's got to be tough. I don't know. I hate ties, so that maybe would have been just as bad. The Cardinals never led the game until they won. How amazing is that? And both offenses had over 1,000 yards. Wilson, 388, three touchdowns, and also had a team high and game high rushing yards, 84. It's rushing quarterbacks. They're like the leading rushers now. So in a weird way, like if I'm a running back, maybe I don't want to play with a team that has a rushing quarterback. That's something I've been saying for a while. If I'm a high school running back, I don't want to go to a team where there's a rushing quarterback. That's just taking away my carries, right? You got to think about that. Taking away my carries, which is on the NFL level, hurting the pocketbook. Hurting the pocketbook. So I don't know if I want to play with – a Kyler Murray or a Russell Wilson. 
And Kyler Murray had four total touchdowns, 360-yard passing, led his team in rushing with 67 yards. You could say it was defense, but realistically, no. It's like the quarterback becomes a rusher, and that takes away from the running back, and that takes away from his pocketbook. Wilson had three interceptions, three interceptions. Murray had just one, and they did it. They won the game. All right, last game, of course, you know I'm going to talk about. Beat Dallas. The Washington football team beat Dallas. Doesn't matter what the record is for either team that season. As I mentioned, the heartbreaking loss when Troy Aikman and the Dallas Cowboys could have gone 0 could have gone 0 and 16. What they do? They beat the Washington football team, 1 and 15. Come on. Dallas was 8 and 2 in the last 10 against the Washington football team. They haven't won the season series since 2012, the Washington football team, that is. So I was happy to see them get the win. Kyle Allen, I guess, but Dallas is awful. Mike McCarthy's awful. He may be the next. There's no, there's no doubt he will not be lasting as a head coach much longer in Dallas at the rate that they're playing. And that being said, that goes into my next topic here. Why are we winning football games, Washington? Any of the football teams, and I'm going to go down the list. Bengals, one and five. Texas Jaguars, both at one and six. Okay? Giants, one and six. Falcons, one and six. Vikings, one and five. Vikings probably aren't going to be saying we want another quarterback. Although, come on now. The quarterback you have is not a top quarterback. He was taking under 100 in the NFL draft. Okay? Just saying. Kirk Cousins, no. Don't believe in him. So maybe at one and five, you should be maybe looking at Trevor Lawrence. But I understand if you're not. Falcons, I could see you looking at Trevor Lawrence. Giants, maybe not. But Daniel Jones, not that great right now. Not that great. Bengals, you got Joe Burrow. The future looks bright, right? Yes, it looks bright. Jaguars, Texans. Texans, you got Deshaun Watson. You aren't looking for a quarterback. Jaguars, maybe. The mustache, Minshew mustache can't last forever. But my thing is, the Jets are 0-7. There's no way they want to lose a game. But if you're the Washington football team, the team that I care about, why do you want to win? This is the perfect season to tank. Fans are barely at the game. For Washington football team, this season is a mess. Let's just move on and look to next season. Go after Trevor Lawrence. Now, granted, if the Jets don't win a game, then they've got the number one pick. But let's say they do win one. Sam Darnold's going to come back eventually, and they're like, hey, we'll win one. Maybe they win on the fluke. Washington football team, we don't need to win a game. We don't need to win a game. Let it go. I'm not a big fan of tanking, but playing the devil's advocate here, Washington, we don't need to win. There's no point to win now. It's ridiculous. This talk of, oh, all of the teams in NFC East are bad, and they are. Eagles at the top of the division at two and four. That's a 357 winning percentage. Oh, the Washington football team are tied for second place with the Cowboys with a 286 winning percentage. Come on, just lose, right? Unlike, you know, the opposite, just lose, baby. We know about the just win. 
Just lose, baby. All right, I'm going to stick with football and end with my sports you may not know about. Here are my picks for Monday Night Football. Big game tonight, Rams and the Bears. The Rams are favored at minus six. You can get that at minus 110. This is I'm using DraftKings here. Over under at 44 and a half. I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the Rams to win and cover. And so my money line Rams at minus 250. You can get the Chicago Bears at 215, plus 215. The Bears are 5-1 and one on the season, 4-2 and two against the spread. All five of their wins have been by seven points or less, and one of them were against Tom Brady. And if you're still keeping score, Tom Brady and the Bucks. I don't know, that Brady, that Brady Belichick, the scales are tipping definitely towards Brady. And you can't put it all on Cam Newton. Now, you can put a lot of it on Cam Newton, but I'd be curious if that coronavirus is maybe, you know, maybe causing a little something within um, – Cam Newton, he's just not the same. Now, granted, he wasn't really that good in Carolina in that last season, but you never know. Just that the Bears live and die on the edge. And on this edge against the Rams, you're going to have Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, yeah, going up against Nick Foles. Nick Foles going to have a tough time. Let's go Pitts, Aaron Donald. That's right. As the Rams will be looking to rebound after they lost to San Francisco 24-16. The Rams are 3-3 three and three against the spread. You never know. Here's some other tidbits you want to know about the game. Although I already gave my pick, but here's some tidbits. The Bears with a half-game lead over the Packers, half-game lead in the NFC North, have a very low pedestrian uh, plus-minus 12-point differential over that stretch of games that they've won. Um, and they struggle offensively. No running game. 28th, ranked 28th in the running game. Passing attack isn't that good either. But if you want a player to pick on when you're talking fantasy, Allen Robinson may be a good pick. Now, the Rams are going to need more from Jared Goff, of course. Um, they He didn't look good. The team didn't look good. And on the other side, you got Khalil Mack, Mack coming after Jared Goff. So that's going to be tough. But the passing attack is much better with the Rams, and I think you'll see that um, in this game. Some other quick insights. The Bears have won each of their first three running road games. That's a good one. They've only allowed one touchdown to a wide receiver. So uh, Cooper Cup. Hey, Cooper Cup's his name, right? Yeah. Jared Goff has the most interceptions without a TD pass by any QB against the Bears in the Super Bowl era. It's another one that I found. Uh, Jared Goff, 8-6 and six in primetime since 2007. So we'll see. We'll see what happens here. The Bears are the 31st ranked offense against the Rams 19th, but the Rams defense is third. Bears defense is fifth. It's going to be a defensive game. You know, it's going to be a defensive game. I'm taking the under. I'm switching. So this is what I'm taking. Monday Night Football. Rams minus six. I think they will win and cover, but I'm taking the under at 44 and a half. That's my pick. That's my pick. Okay, I'm ending the show. I'm ending the show on sports you may not know about, not even care about, but you need to know about. Lewis Hamilton passed Michael Schumacher with his 
record 93 Formula One wins. He won at the Portuguese Grand Prix. Most wins in sports history. He won from the pole position. And now he stands atop. He's alone. And so I've been watching the show. uh, It's a Formula One show on Netflix. Oh, my gosh. How could I forget the title? Now I got to look it up here on my phone here. This is making for a great podcast, of course. But it's 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 like a sports reality series about Formula One. And I really like it. I really like it a lot. And I'm learning even more and more about racing. And that's what I'm enjoying a lot. But also being having a television background, um, I also am really enjoying uh, learning more about the sport and the, and the racers. Formula One, Drive to Survive. Two seasons worth, and and it's been fun watching. And the thing is, if you're Lewis Hamilton, here's a quote from Lewis Hamilton, quote, it's going to take some time to fully sink in. Uh, I was still pushing flat out all the way to the line. I'm very much still in race mode mentally. I can't find the words at the moment. I could never, I could only ever have dreamed to be where I am today. I didn't have a magic ball, but when I chose to come to this team and partner with these great people, here I am, unquote. And the thing that's interesting is I can't wait to see the next episode of Formula or next series of Formula One because they're not filming right now. So they've had two seasons so far. So this third season is going to be interesting to follow um, somewhat what's happening with Lewis Hamilton because not only is he the record holder, but, you know, for those of you who don't know Formula One the same way and, and, and you'll understand it from this aspect, He's going into his free agent year. So it'll be interesting to see if Mercedes, who has a young driver in Botas, wants Botas to get a chance to be the uh, top dog for Mercedes. And Lewis Hamilton, who's 35, maybe he's going to, you know, end up signing with another team, maybe. Or maybe Mercedes will do the smart thing and not do something like not sign Lewis Hamilton after he has won his 93rd race and is the greatest racer of all time. Come on. You can't possibly do that, right? Yeah, they can. It's money. Money's at play. But also, you may lose Botox. If he's like, hey, I can't keep racing behind here, right? If you talk about football, eventually Aaron Rodgers, I can't keep sitting here behind Brett Favre. Kansas City, more recently, Alex Smith, bye. We got Patrick Mahomes. We got we got to get him going. We got to get him going. So maybe that's what you're looking at here is a situation where, you know, maybe this is going to be it for Lewis Hamilton with Mercedes. You never know. But what I do know is I'm ending the show at 10-10. Great show. Hope you enjoyed it here on the Props Network, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook channels. Thank you very much for watching Just for Sport. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. Uh, Next time, you can join on the chat. You can listen to this podcast. It will be downloaded on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. And make sure you check out The Walk On with Joe Walkowski. We got a lot for you here on the Props Network. You know what I'm about to say, people. Ciao for now.